This might be the morning I have to go chase my notes around. I've got a lovely breeze coming through here. But good morning and a, a very, very happy New Year to all of you. It's great to be back. If you weren't with us on Christmas morning, um, we had a great celebration then and I'd just gotten back from a, a week in Trout Haven. Oh, very good. Oh, that's clever. Um, thank you, Carly. Uh, and then we went as a family with uh, friends to Hermanus for a week and had an amazing time there, so I'm feeling well-rested. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. But now, it's the 15th of January. We are halfway through January. We're 1 24th the way through 2023. <laughs> and many of us are looking into this new year wondering what to expect. What will it bring? What will it do for me? Where will I be come 2024? But let's flip that on its head this morning. Let's look at this new year and say, what will I bring to 2023? What will I become so I can be who God wants me to be come 2024? My message this morning is titled, Where Will You Stay? Or How Far Will You Go With God? Where will you stay or how far will you go with God. And we're going to read from 2 Kings 2, verses 1 to 16. This is one of my dad's favorite messages. And as I've been prepping this one, I've been feeling really challenged. It's one of those ones where each time I got to a point, I had to go and ask myself, am I living this? Do I believe this? Where is my faith in this particular point? And it's my prayer this morning that you walk out of here having done the same, just really point by point feeling challenged as you look to this coming year. I hope that this passage does for you what it's been doing for me. Elijah is taken up to heaven, 2 Kings 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, asked Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. The water divided. Now this is a massive, this is the Jordan. The water divided to the left. The water divided to the right. 
and they walked, the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. If you see, yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw, and Elisha saw this, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he, when he struck the water, it divided to the left and to the right and he crossed over. On dry ground. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Look, they said, We, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, Don't bother. I watched him go. If we're to understand this tremendous passage, this tremendous story, and its application to our own lives, there are two things that we must realize. The first is that every place mentioned in this passage represents something highly significant in the life experience of God's people. And secondly, Elijah is testing Elisha to see where he will stay or if he will go all the way. And that's the crux of our message this morning. How far will you go for God in 2023? Or to put it another way, where are you going to stay? Will you go all the way with God this year or are you going to stop short of his perfect will for your life because you're holding on to something? or because you're comfortable, or because you're scared of change, or because the price is too high. Let's look at this test, right? So Elijah takes Elisha to Gilgal, and he said, stay here to see if he would. When he refused, he takes him to Bethel, and he says, stay here. Elisha would not, so he takes him to Jericho, and he says, stay here. Elisha says again, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. Just a, just a point. When Elijah was told by God to, to call Elisha as one of the prophets, he went over to him, and he was a farmer, and he wrapped his cloak on Elisha as a farmer, and Elisha knew what that meant. And as a farmer, he took all his cattle, and he killed them, and he took his plows, and he chopped them up, and he set fire to them, and he put the cattle on the fire, and he fed his community. He burnt his ships. He was not going to go back to farming. This is the character we're talking about here. So Elijah takes him to the Jordan. And when he saw that there was no way Elisha was going to stop going all the way with him 
to whatever destination and to whatever experience God had in mind, Elisha and Elijah crossed the Jordan into the desert. And Elisha stuck with him to the very end. Why? Elisha was desperate. He was desperate to have everything that God would give him. There's some things that we need to settle up front as we go into 2023. Sometimes, in order to grow, you've got to go. Sometimes, in order to grow, you've got to go. Secondly, there will be storms. Either you're in one, or you're coming out one, or you're about to go into one. But there will be storms, and there will be tests, Christ followers. You will be tested to the limit of your vision. Prophets and followers of God, of Jesus, are always in school. We're always learning. Elisha had been following Elijah for about six years at this point, learning everything he could from his his mentor, and he wasn't going to stop learning until that mentor was taken away from him. We're still in school. And even prophets and followers of Jesus can easily settle for the status quo. It was an option on offer, and many others did that. Many others have taken it. So in this Christian life, we're left with some options. We can choose where we want to stay in terms of our spiritual development or how far we want to go with God. And let's take a look at these options uh, for a moment. And, And let's answer the question this morning, where will you stay? Where will you stay? You see, the first option is Gilgal, and it's the place of beginnings. Do you remember Gilgal? It's the place the spies were sent to when they assessed the land for Moses, and they saw the fruit, and it looked so good. Gilgal was also the first camp the Israelites camped at when they they went to the west of the Jordan River. After fleeing slavery in Egypt, after God had parted the waters of the mighty Jordan, and they entered the promised land. Gilgal, if you remember, was, the story was where Joshua and his army set up their base and all their operations to conquer the promised land. Gilgal was the place of remembrance, where the 12 stones were taken from the Jordan and set up to remind the 12 tribes constantly of what God had done in redeeming them from the bondage of Egypt and bringing them from death, Egypt, into life, the promised land, by the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River. Gilgal was also the place of renunciation. It was where the rite of circumcision was observed, reminding the Israelites that the reproach of Egypt had been rolled back, had been rolled away, and the old life of darkness and of slavery was behind them, and they were now a separated people unto God to live for him and to do his will. Gilgal was also the place of restoration. There the Passover festival was celebrated with joy as they remembered God's mighty hand in his act of salvation. Through the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the angel of death had passed over them in Egypt and they had been set free into this covenant relationship with God. Gilgal was the place of realization God no longer led them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and he wasn't sending manna from heaven anymore. Now they were to walk in faith and by obedience to his commands. Gilgal was the place of revelation. 
The captain of the Lord's armies appeared to Joshua, and there came the daunting yet glorious revelation that God was in charge of all operations. This was holy ground. There would be conflict and there would be conquest, but the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle still belongs to the Lord. It's 2023, and the battle still belongs to the Lord. Who needed to hear that this morning? But now Gilgal represents the first base for the Christian. It's the place of beginnings. It's the place of new birth and new life in the family of God. It's the place of being established for a great walk with God. Have you reached your Gilgal in your spiritual pilgrimage? Now will you stay there? I'm afraid there are many Christ followers who have been born again for some 10, 20, 30 years, and they're still in Gilgal. Are you going to stay in Gilgal this year, sticking to the basics, or are you going to move on with God? The second option is Bethel, which is the house of God. It's the place of dreams and visions, and let's look back at Genesis 28, 10 to 17, Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. How awesome is this place? We must use the word awesome. <laughs> we think sweets are awesome. Awesome is a holy fear, a reverence. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Did you notice in verse 15, God said, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Isn't that incredible? You should underline that in your Bible. Do people still do that? Do they underline things in their Bible? I've inherited my Bible from my dad. The whole thing's underlined. <laughs> but maybe you can highlight it or bold it in your U version. You see, God's promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. There are two things about the promises of God that we must always keep in mind. The first is that when God makes a promise, He is committed to fulfilling it. When God makes a promise, He is committed to fulfilling it. The second is, when God makes a promise, we don't have to try and fulfill it for Him like Jacob did. All of heaven is on the side of the follower who trusts and obeys God. Jacob was a schemer, he was fleeing the wrath of Esau, he was a guilty man on the run, he was a trickster, a cheater. He didn't need to do that to have God's promise over his life fulfilled. Don't try to fulfill God's promise for him. When he makes a promise, 
He will fulfill it. Don't steal an earthly inheritance when you've been promised a heavenly inheritance. If God can be there for Jacob and all the mess he created, he can be there for me. And he can be there for you. But now it's good to have visions. It's good to dream dreams and scheme schemes at your Bethel. But just make sure that God's the initiator. Because what God initiates, he finishes. What God initiates, he finishes. But God is not obligated to bless or finish anything he never initiated. No matter how hard you pray. I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. We have a huge responsibility here at Seaburg. Right now, it's time for a fresh vision, amen? To dream of all that God can do over the next year, over the next five years, over the next 10 years. This is a big year for us. A lot's gonna happen in this little church over the next year. It's a big year. We serve a big God who wants to do big things, and maybe your vision is too small for the God who's asking you to dream big things for his church in the Constantia Valley this year. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God where we have dreams and visions of all that God can do, but don't stay there. Some churches, some Christians, they never get beyond the dream stage. I get really sad when I speak to some of my mates who are middle-aged like me. I'm middle-aged now (laughs) and older. And they speak of things they once had going on with God and the visions they had of serving him, but they never did. They stayed in their Bethel. Oh, they were going to join the band or they were going to write songs for Jesus. They were going to be worshiped. They were going to go on mission. They were going to go and study for a while. They, even in part time, they were going to go study the word of God for three years. Or, or they were going to lead a small group. Or they were going to volunteer for this thing. Or they, were, or, they were, or they were. But they had to wait because they needed to make some money first. Or they wanted to get married first. Or they wanted to have kids first. Or they wanted their kids to get out of school first. Or whatever the excuse became, they never left their Bethel. They never left the place of dreams. Chuck Swindle, he tells the story of a man being shown around heaven by St. Peter, and as they're walking around, he starts to notice all these little presents everywhere with his name on it, and eventually he says to Peter, what are all those, those gifts? So Peter says, ah, oh, Chuck, I mean, whatever the guy's name was, those were for you. Um, they were just something you could have had on earth if you had been faithful. Will you stay at your Bethel, the place of dreams, or will you move on to appropriate and experience all that God has for you. Verse four, then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. The third option is Jericho, the city of palms and refreshing springs, the place of past victory. Do you remember the conquest of Jericho? The city that had those walls and was so fortified and God's strange strategy of conquest, sending the armed men followed by the seven priests who had their ram's horns and and followed by the ark of the covenant, followed by the rear guard. And they were to march, all the soldiers were to march around the city in absolute silence, no shouting, not a word spoken, day after day, circling the city, returning to camp to spend the night there, day after day for six days. John Kelvin comments, as a military maneuver, it was worse than useless. It was ridiculous. 
It actually invited attack, but instead, it terrified the army. Was there initially some mocking and some jeering and some taunting from the walls, from the guards on the wall? Or was it only fear that struck their hearts as they watched that Ark of the Covenant go around their city and all the men in absolute silence? That Ark of the Covenant that had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Then came the seventh day. And around they went seven times. And then at the command of Joshua, the trumpets were blown and the people shouted. And the wall, walls just collapsed and every man just charged straight in. And they took the city. How was Jericho overcome? By faith. By total dependence on God. Alan Redpath, he comments like this. He said, God made them walk around the great fortification until within themselves they died to every hope of conquest unless God should intervene. Colin spoke last week of a parade of victory. You see, victory in the Christian life is by faith in the God who is able. And when the battle is the Lord's, we can take a quiet stroll around the enemy and claim the territory for God. We can take a quiet stroll around our neighborhood, claim the territory. We can take a quiet stroll around our kids' schools. We can take a quiet stroll around the, the streets of Parliament. We can take a quiet stroll around our homes and claim the territory for God. Why? Because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. But Jericho is a place of past victories. The problem is many Christians, many Christ followers, they choose to stay there. Speak to them about their walk with the Lord, and, and they tell you about past victories, the glory days, the summer camp, being baptized, the time you experienced healing, that time that you led a family member or a friend to Jesus, that time that, that, that you got one of your work colleagues to come to church, the time you experienced extraordinary provision, the time your career took off. Praise God for victories, past victories in the Christian life. But have you noticed something? If you live in the past victories, they get old and they lose their joy and doubt creeps in. And sometimes they become unbelievable, too good to be true. Maybe even you start to believe it was just luck. A one-off event. It can't happen again. Was 2022 a great year for you and there were so many goals were reached, so many victories won? I know for me, I always think back to 2019, pre-pandemic. Man, business was doing so well. I want to go back to 2019. Keep remembering 2019, but let's not stay there. Don't settle for yesterday's victories. If you do, you're going to miss out on some of the greatest miracles of all, and maybe they're just around the corner. You see, there's one more option. There's one more option, and it's the Jordan, the place where only God can get you through. Ask the average Christian how many times the, the God divided the waters of the Jordan, and they all say once, that time when Joshua uh, led, led the Israelites over a million of them through on dry ground, and, and the waters came up on either side. Well, God did it three times. Here's the second. Verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. You see, here at the Jordan, only God can get you to where you need to be. 
Elisha, won't you give up? You keep following me. Now, I'm going to take you to a place where only God can help us get to. Because if God doesn't part the water, we're not going there. Are you still coming? Yes. I will cross the Jordan with you. I believe that it's where, if that's where God wants us to go, the impossible will happen and he will make a way. Did you get the point? Only when they got that far did Elijah ask, when they had crossed, verse 9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, it'll not. Elijah says, will you follow me right to the very end? Will you stay until I go, till that last moment? Elisha says, I'm in it. I'm going all the way. I won't be satisfied until I have the same anointing that rests on you. Only I'm such a needy person. I want a double anointing. I need a double anointing. I believe God wants me to do more. So I'm going to need more. I need a double portion. Elisha's success was found in the prodigy's relentless pursuit of his mentor. I don't want just a half portion because I think that's what I deserve. I don't want just enough for me to get by as a prophet. I want to do more than I've earned. I want more than I deserve. I want a double portion because I want to do greater things for God. Hey, there's some lessons here that we can't afford to miss. And here they are. Do you know what was on the other side of the Jordan? The desert. The wilderness. When, Elijah wanted, when, when Elisha wanted to go all the way with God, Elijah didn't take him to a Bible conference or to a worship concert, to some electric atmosphere of prayer and spiritual highs, as wonderful as those are. No, he took him to an isolated, a solitary, a difficult place. He took him to the desert. Do you really want to go all the way with God in 2023? Then don't be surprised if you end up in a wilderness, in a place of barrenness a place of testing, a spiritual wasteland where there isn't much company. You see, the journey into God's fullness is usually a solitary one. It's a place of hunger and thirst. It's a place of hunger and thirst, and nobody else can do that journey for you. But God will be there. But you see, if we're not willing to go to that desert, then we're not willing to let God tear self-reliance out of our lives. We're not willing to face our self-centeredness and part company with it. Not until he got there was Elijah willing to broach the subject of what Elisha wanted. Until he was sick of what he was and desperate for what he didn't have. He wanted more than anything the anointing of God on his life that would transform him at the cost of everything. That's what he wanted. It's often only in the desert places of our walk with God that we learn the secret of true faith and real authority and power in the Christian life. It is there that the question arises, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God cause life-giving springs to flow in the desert? And of course he can, and he will. If we are willing to come to that place of realization that we realize that without him, we can do nothing.
that place of desperation where we, like Jacob, we just grab onto God and we won't let go until he blesses us. Vance Havner used to say, the situation is desperate. The problem is that we are not. Am I desperate this morning? Mark, are you desperate this morning? Don, are you desperate? Megs, Claudia, I I mean, Collie, are you desperate this morning? Are you desperate? Elisha went all the way. He paid the price, he fulfilled the conditions, and he returned a different man. The band can come up. We're going to read the end. Verse 13. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had, been fall- that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him, and they bowed down to the ground before him. He went over the Jordan, the servant of Elijah, and he came back, the anointed prophet of God with a spiritual authority and power in his life, full of the Holy Spirit. Without that experience, his future accomplishments for God would have been zero. They would never have been recorded because they would never have happened. Jericho's water would have remained bad. The valley of newly dug ditches would never have been filled with water. The Moabites would never have been defeated. The jars the widow and her sons had collected would never have been filled with oil. The Shunammite woman who would never have given birth and that child would never have been raised from the dead. The company of prophets at Gilgal would have died of food poisoning. Naaman would never have been healed of leprosy. The axe head would never have floated. The Arameans would never have been blinded and then defeated. Elisha has double the recorded miracles of Elijah because he asked for a double portion. What are you asking for in 2023? And how far will you go to get it? Could this be your story in 2023? Or what miracles of God are you going to miss? Is 2023 going to be just another year, a year of playing church, a year of the same, same again? Or will 2023 be different? Where will you stay? Gilgal, the place of beginnings. Bethel, the place of dreams. Jericho, the place of past victories. Or will you go to the Jordan? Will you go all the way with God to places that only God can take you through. Will you say this morning with a humble, sincere, and desperate heart, oh God, I want you to strip away every shed of self-reliance from my life. I'm sick of myself. I want to see Jesus in my life. I want you to forgive me and cleanse me and fill me and use me. I want to go all the way with you this year. I want a double portion of your spirit. Let's pray, and then I'm going to hand over to Claudette. Uh, Father God, hey, if you're desperate, won't you stand? Won't you stand and like just say to God, I'm desperate this year. I want to see big things done in my life, in this church, Lord God. Oh, Father God, just in this symbolic act of just standing before you, we're saying as your church in Constantiaburg, Take us beyond the place of just visions and dreams. Let us start realizing miracle after miracle and seeing such evidence of your power at work in our lives and in this church 
in our schools, in our places of work. Let's see your anointing at play, Father God. Don't leave us as, as we are, Father God. As we want to walk out of this place with a double anointing, Father God, to do even more, to do greater things than we ever imagined. Be glorified in this church. Be glorified in 2023. We worship you, Father. Amen.